1: in that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Blue Moon. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. So with no Premier League fixtures uh, and the international break, we're doing a special Man City Show this week all about Manchester City managers. And to help me do that, I've got two guests. The first is my good friend Ian Lees. Welcome. And the second is Roger Reed. Hello. Uh, Ian, uh, just before we get into sort of City managers, uh, long history as a City fan, but also... Uh, just remind people, you were one of the early people who got involved in football in the community, and as part of that, you were one of the coaches with the very, very early Man City ladies, as I That's correct. Calling. In uh,
0: 1988, um, one of the coaches, together with um, Neil Mather and a, a few others, and uh, apparently there is a, a photograph or some video of um, of myself and the team at Burnley, uh, of which uh, Gary James, the historian, has found for us. So, yeah. And I guess,
2: looking back, stating the bleeding obvious, but obviously kind of that there is a gulf between the fact that the facilities that the uh, Man City women, as of course they're known as now, have, and and the kit and the the facilities, just bears no resemblance to to what you had to contend with. I guess you were scrabbling around for kit and pitches, and and, and just give us a kind of a flavour and idea of what those days were like. In
0: in the early days, obviously the football and the community, together with the women's FA, were trying to um, get off the ground with, with women, in football
2: and sorry, so this was through football in the community. so what was your this role is football. Football in
0: the I, w- I was one of the coaches in football in the community right. uh headed by obviously Roger reed and um and the pfa and they just wanted to get women into football it was one of the projects yep. uh, man city were, were were asked to do that as well which we did yeah and man city were very good very good indeed they gave us a kit obviously not the facilities we trained twice a week um And, uh, yes, uh, it it was very early stages where fitness and um, it was a case of if we could get 11 girls to turn out, that would be a a bonus. Um, But, no, very, very supportive. Um, Kevin Glendon, who was the community manager at the time, put an advert in certain papers, and it was well-responded. We had a lot of um, City supporters, as well as other supporters as well from other clubs. So, yeah, it was really good, really good.
2: And looking back now... And and seeing you know <laughs> now sort of live on TV and the sort of crowds they get at the stadium there. What, what are your thoughts thinking back now? bet you could you could have imagined that, could you, all those years ago, or, or actually did you? Did you? No, think that's
0: actually... a- absolutely not. There was there was no thought at all. It was it was difficult times, obviously, and it was a case of just get the the, the, the thing going. And it and it was well well respected, to be honest with you. And together with Neil Mother, who was the manager at the time, mm. he took forward. They've won um, trophies at the end of it. Yes and then a little bit of a lull, and then all of a sudden, whack, it, away it went again. And to the point now where they've got facilities and professionalism, and um, yeah, they've even got dieticians, and, and you know, well done to the women. Man City's women are really doing well.
2: Fantastic. Uh, and you've mentioned uh, my other guest, uh, probably my... Oldest friend.
1: Oh, thanks for that. <laughs> That's why you've asked me. That is because it? of my. I've got to
2: have somebody who's older than me on this show <laughs> once in a while. But I mean, your footballing credentials, Rog. I mean, you were again i think the youngest uh, secretary in the football league having sort of learnt your trade uh, next to the great bernard holford at city you spent a number of years at city as assistant referee uh, ian's talked about football in the community which i think you were asked to lead and you did that for many years and and I, I understand also you're now writing a book on the history of football in the community as well which you you then as i led and and, and took from strength to strength just just Give us a bit of a flavour of football in the community when you kind of took it on. Uh, it was an idea, I guess, at the time, to, it to, to what it's become. And, and it, just help people understand. Maybe people don't quite understand the history.
1: Yeah, sure. It, yeah, I mean, it was a concept, really, that, that was born out of the fact that football had so many problems in the late 70s and early 80s with football hooliganism and vandalism and uh, really a lack of respect for, for the game. Uh, and not to, not to mention also that uh, crowds were reducing to, to the point that they reached a, a real low point in the mid-1980s. Um, and it, it was felt by everybody in the game that we needed to do more to encourage new audiences. And uh, going back to the Norman Chester Uh, report of the the late 1960s he actually recommended that football should consider involving girls and women because of course again if you go back to the 60s women didn't go to football matches it was grandad's dads and sons and it was a case of trying to attract people to, to come to football who probably never went before. People with disabilities were not encouraged to come to football. And uh, facilities had to change in order to accommodate you know, new, new facilities and so on. And so I think it was great in, in the mid-80s that my, my old boss, Mickey Burns, the, the ex-Newcastle and Blackpool player that people will remember, Mickey came up with a concept of, hang on a minute, we can use these facilities at Grounds to embrace involvement, greater involvement across the community. We tried it with a pilot scheme. City were part of that pilot scheme, and, of course, they were successful through the 60s with community issues such as the Platte Lane Complex, Mm. the the old social club that Roy Mm. Clark uh, and his wife, Kath, ran, um, and the Junior Blues, of course, all part of community engagement uh, in the early days. So... I was I was really proud and privileged to be approached to to lead the scheme across all the professional clubs. So and this uh, is
2: all ninety two clubs. This, this is not kind all of all ninety two.
1: There was a phase build up from nineteen eighty six to nineteen ninety three to embrace all ninety two clubs and to take them forward. And then in in the late nineties, we looked at moving them all towards charitable status. And, of course, they're all at charitable status now. So the history really is about the build-up of the community schemes at all the clubs, the people that took it forward, the people that really did the hard labour in the early days when there was very little resources available and actually got it to the point where it is today, where it is very respected by everybody, not just across the game but in social services, local authorities, etc. And it's a multi-million pound business now. Uh, and, and just
2: sort of tell us about the book briefly. I, I, I believe you're sort of knee-deep knee in papers and typewriters and all the rest of it. So out in time for Christmas? Yeah, and that's that's the Christmas plan.
1: Yeah, the book's nearly done. Uh, it has been a bit of a labour of love. It's certainly ended up with a lot more uh, information in it than than I thought it was going to, uh, to have. Um, I'm lucky in the sense that I've got... Comprehensive access to piles and piles of notes over sort of 30 years and um, all of that uh, I've tried to whittle down into one single book and uh, hopefully people will appreciate that there's thousands of people have contributed to the success of football in the community and, and I hope my book will really pay them, pay the tribute to them. But how lucky have I been to be able to have a career in the game and and to embrace football in the community and, and the growth of the game again, the rebirth of the game, if you like, from the mid-80s?
2: Well, I look forward to kind of looking back using maybe our our managers, our City's managers, um, and, and sort of plotting some of that. Some of that time, of course, you would have been working at City and working quite closely with some of these personalities. The rest, you were a, a young boy and... The, and, and the rest, and sort of when the, the money came in, we can talk about the fantastic times we're all we're all enjoying at the moment, uh, including that uh, Carabao Cup victory just what four or five weeks ago. Yeah, indeed. Um, so let's um, let's pay for the uh, pay of the bills. Uh, the Man City show is back for the season by Lad Brooks. Uh, go to not net for all the latest odds and offers. Um, now, listen, I, I thought the way of doing this uh, was maybe we could just start off with our first managers, actually, the kind of the first manager maybe you you came into uh, contact with. Can, can I kick off on this? Because it's uh, if that's what, oh, I'm in the what, chair,
0: uh, I will. That we if, can remember.
2: You're, all,
1: the, you're can... the one that remembers <laughs> the together. earliest I do.
2: <laughs> I do. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> grew up in Northenden, uh, in South Manchester, and next door to us, Mr. and Mrs. Pete, because uh, they, they were always Mr. and Mrs. Worthy in those days. So, you know, nowadays they're all Fred and, Fred and Sheila. Uh, but it's Mr. and Mrs. Pete. And they had a very good friend called Les McDowell. Uh, and uh, as a small boy, I have really clear recollections of Les McDowell being in Mr and, Mr. and Mrs Pete's garden, going in there meeting him, not probably at the time realising what a significant person he was, but he taught me how to head a ball. And he threw it to me, and I shut my eyes and sort of squinted, and I hit it off the top of my head. And he took me to one side and actually showed me how to head a ball properly. Uh, so that is Les McDowell, who I think, for, for the record, I was like sort of for a long time, nineteen fifties to kind of early early sixties, uh, was City's manager. So I was a very small boy, of course. Um so so Les McDowell, I go back I suspect we're not gonna go back much further than that, unless any of you got any further record or no, any stories. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. No. I don't I mean, think there's, there's a lot of point. Not many of our listeners will I suppose no. if my dad's listening he probably will uh, he goes back a lot further than that. So Les McDowell sort of in and we're thinking of maybe moving forward from there. Roger Well he your had first... some
1: success, Les McDowell of course, because he won the Cup in nineteen fifty six and he was quite a revolutionary because he came up with the Revy plan, of course. Of course, which was the deep lying centre forward, in sort of based on the Hungarian team of the of the early fifties that, that wiped the floor with England. So, and why yeah, the, re- and why the rev-
2: rev- just again to remind our listeners why the Revy plan in particular, why was it named that? It,
1: it, well, the Revy was the number nine, and the the whole plan was that instead of playing centre forward against your traditional centre half in the old WM formations, the centre forward would be a bit more deep lying, and and the inside forwards would sometimes come a bit further forward. Than the centre forward, so Don Revy was not marked by the centre half because he dropped too deep to be uh, marked by the traditional mm. centre half. And
2: someone, yeah. of course, who went on to have a decent career as a matter as we about, who's had a, a yeah, half don't. decent career as a, as a manager. As Bruce Forsyth <laughs> would say,
1: didn't he do well?
0: Yes, yes, he did. Yes.
2: Uh, in your first manager, sort of that you remember, you're slightly uh, younger than, than uh, us two. You're, uh, slightly, the, you're the, ba- the baby of the team. I, yeah.
0: I, I think my, the biggest thing for me was Joe Mercer. Yeah, I think that's my first recollection of what he did for Man City and um, you know uh, for, for me he still will be the best manager that City had
1: I can go back earlier than that because of course I, my first well, uh, City game was uh, the manager was George Poyser and George Poyser was a little bit unlucky really because he, he signed Derek Kevin and Jimmy Murray who scored goals aplenty for City and, and City I think finished the highest finish was about fifth or sixth in the second division Um, But the downfall was he he also sold David Wagstaff. He he thought (laughs) Neil Young was going to be the outside left for the next 10 years. And, of course, Neil Young became... A prolific inside left and goal-scoring inside left, and he could have kept Waggy. And I, I don't know if I ever forg- forgave him for. I mean, yeah. I think for
2: those who don't know, I know because I've known you a long time. Dave off is probably one of your all-time favourite City players, and Rose, you were yeah. upset. I know when he when he left, and of he course. Passed away.
1: <laughs> so yeah. where did he actually sell him to? Was it Wolves? Wolves, Wolves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. over Christmas, so nobody knew that he'd gone.
2: <laughs> so the story was in those days, was before social media, and those newspapers being printed, it was kind of gone and done and dusted before anybody realised. Was it.
1: the next game? he wasn't in the team and everyone said where is he <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's at Wolves
2: so let's kind of that's really interesting to hear kind of sort of early memories um and I, I suspect as we go through this we're not going to mention every single manager because it's quite a long list particularly in one period of our history where we seem to change them as regularly as uh, yeah uh, I won't even go there uh, let's talk about defining if we're going to talk about the best city manager what do you think defines is it trophies is it style of play is of their connection with the fans so if we have to divine at the end of this if we have to define who was our best manager Ian, what, I, I, what think would,
0: it, I think it's clear for me it has to be joe mercer and, and the no, reason But what
2: defines it i'm trying to get to what what, what oh, have the, they got to do to, me, to get trophies the, i think it's, it's, it's just, be just purely a, a, trophies
0: a european trophy of which joe's the only person that's got the european trophy if the, so
2: just because the cup winners cup in yeah, 1970
0: that's correct so he won
2: everything we, we know league championship 68 FA Cup 69 uh, League, cup. league in 70, yep. cup, in cup in 70 Cup winners Cup in 70 so he did kind of do the whole lot he in he a very short thing. and I yeah. think
0: that defines it that sets the, ben- the benchmark for Man City and I think if Pep does that then I think he'll overtake uh, Mercer but uh, at the moment for me it's got to be trophies I think
1: there's a little bit more to it than that though because I think again if you look at Joe Mercer firstly he was supported by a really dynamic coach who was again revolutionary for his, for his time Uh, in Malcolm Allison and secondly the way City played between sort of 65 when he took over and 72, the the way they played, they were just a joy to watch. You know, when they won the championship in 67, 68, they won it in style. If they conceded one or two goals, they weren't bothered because they'd always score more than the opposition. I mean, they
2: they did dominate. As I've gone through all the different statistics in a very short period of time, they won everything. Okay, not the European Cup as it was in those days, Mm. the, the one below that, the Cup Winners' Cup. But you talk about some of the players who are absolute city legends, that people talk about Belly and Summerby, mm. but they don't talk about the Alan Oakes of these world as often, who's, of course, still the record appearances of Manchester yeah, City, yeah, and yeah, Mike the, Doyle, Glyn you know, was. And, and the other thing, of course, and this is me, Stato isn't here this week, uh, <laughs> but he would tell you that that 69 FA Cup winning time was the, the last time an all-English 1-11 won, won the FA Cup. And, and, and a lot of those were local lads, of course, from around Manchester. What was it about... Mercer and Allison, who of course we're going to come on to I guess in, in a second so, so if we're saying that it isn't Roger, from your point of view it's not just about trophies it is about the sort of football it's about play. the way we play, and, and yeah. we've mentioned Allison brought something very different to what Mercer brought you know mm. it's about these training methods the training
1: methods in particular because he, he got players to the peak of fitness so that he, the last five minutes of games are very often where games are won, are won and lost and City was so much fitter than the opposition uh, the last five minutes were where very often teams were on their knees and City players were still running up and down. I mean, Colin Bell himself, uh, he, he was just, he would run forever. He was just... Nijinsky. A, a Nijinsky, mm. indeed. So named because he would run forever, you know. It was it was incredible time.
0: And I think if, you, if you're comparing the sides from 69 through to today, that was the, the the blueprint of today's side because very much the, I know um, there's been a lot of comparison is De Bruyne the better than Bell is is Aguero better than Lee but I think if you look at the actual blueprints Alison and Mercer started off what is here today to be honest with it, It's like inventing the wheel. That You know, it starts from a stone and now it's an alloy. Well, the same today. You know, you can very much put a lot of that 69 side into today's formation and still get the same results.
1: A little bit of luck as well, though, I think, because you look at the era that Joe Mercer and Malcolm Allison took over in 65. And of course, there were three or four City youth players of three or four years previous mm. who were now blossoming into really good players. I'm thinking of Mike Doyle, oh, as, as yeah. you've said, Ian, Glimpardo, Alan Oakes, Neil Young, they all became really seasoned professionals at the right time for Joe Mercer and Malcolm Allison. And uh, it it, it all came together. And the final piece of the jigsaw, as we all know, was uh, when they signed Francis Lee from Bolton Wanderers. And that certainly became one of the best City teams of all time.
2: So if we're saying it is, a, maybe it's a comment, it is about trophies, but it's also about the way we play football. Um, if Joe Mercer as a manager, because I think we're fair to say that Malcolm's time, he probably wouldn't make it as a manager, um, and we're talking about managers this week. Uh, so Joe Mercer would be in the pot for this
1: yeah, award yeah, we're going to yes. hand out at the
2: end of absolutely. this.
0: Absolutely. Others? Roberto Mancini, Pellegrini. um <laughs> You know, and obviously the the big one at the moment, which is Pepper, I mean, just won the um, League Cup four or five weeks ago. So yeah,
2: yeah. So I think that, I think any City fan yep. listening to this would probably come up with the same four. Uh, can I throw in? I mean, Joe Royal, um, but. I guess he gets a mention just because of that fantastic victory at Wembley when half the people had already left and the dick Off goal and the Weaver saves I mean that, he kind of gets a mention in passing but yeah, he's, not, Joe he's was, not in the yeah, same Joe, category Joe was he?
1: unlucky wasn't he because he inherited what was a poor team and, and yeah. there wasn't a huge amount of money yeah. available yeah. and he moulded what I think was an effective team very quickly because he had to uh, and he did it in true Joe Roy style i think joe always had a a, a great sense of humour he was a fantastic fella to know and to and to work with and um, yeah I, I think for him to get us through the playoffs at wembley was was a real achievement at that time it was a true test of a, how good a manager you were really so, so as we go through this, let's sort of bear in mind then, we, we, at the end of it, we're
2: probably going to vote on, is it Joe Mercer? Is it Roberto Mancini? Is it Manuel Pellegrini? Or is it Pat Guardiola, I guess? I think they, they're, they're the short list anybody, anybody else you know. gets a worthy mention, Say so we're going to go through well, You mentioned
1: Tom Maley, who won the FA Cup in 1904 and finished runners-up in the First Division, but well, it was a different him. era. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to say, I don't know him.
2: No, <laughs> no never met him either um so let 's uh, let 's sort of take it on then from we 've done the early days um, of Les McDowell and George Poyser and, and then very nicely so we 're on on to Joe Mercer um, Anything else you want to say about that sort of mercer allison rain we 've talked about those i mean Rog, you know that that 68 championship side mm. and and we did a special actually um, uh, a year or so ago, didn't yeah, we? the a, 50 year anniversary. A, the 50 year of that it, 68, yeah. we did it last year um, and that was a great show and thank you for contributing to that. Anything that came out of that conversation that you kind of want to share again that could that kind have of really sort of gives us a flavour of of that Joe Mercer management
1: style, what he
2: got out of those players?
1: Well, I think I, I think the, the truth is that it was a Mercer-Allison com- combination. I think the players really looked up to, to Malcolm Allison and saw him as their mentor in terms of understanding that the new training methods, the new physical fitness that he was demanding, the fact that he got people like Derek Ibbotson involved in in running them at Widdenshire Park and got them to the peak of fitness. I think the players bought into that. And I, it, Truthfully, I don't think Joe Mercer could have done that on his own. So I think it was the fact that they were a team and... and we talked about 67-68, but of course what actually happened was the success continued for another two or three years. And truthfully, they should have won the league in 1972 because they were the best team in the league at that time. But we, we just we signed Rodney Marsh, who was a great player, but we signed him at the wrong time. And he wasn't quite the right player to fit with a team that was really athletic and really able to counter on the break and, and catch people. And, and Rodney wasn't the right player for us because he slowed things down. Mm. So we weren't quite as effective on the break as we should have been. Otherwise, the success really could have continued beyond 72.
0: So, so uh, are we saying that Joe Mercer was a, a more man, manager... He knew how to manage the players and yet um, and Malcolm knew how to coach them and uh, bring them through fitness levels. I, well, I think
2: I... it was more to, if I can, I think it was more to do with... Uh... Uh, Joe being managed, managing upstairs actually managing the boardroom as well to mm-hmm. a greater extent mm-hmm. and, and Malcolm was the the guy sort of on the training ground you know, day in day out, mm-hmm. and as Roger indicated, you know the, the new methods of training and, and, and diet, which were never heard of. you know you had pictures of in the old days drinking bottles of milk and smoking in the dressing room, and he he changed all that you know the whole sort of going down down to Withenshaw Park and really training hard um, it, it was It was pioneering at the time, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it was just fascinating. Combination, you know, we do talk about Joe Mercer potentially being our greatest ever manager, but I think you're right, Roger. There's no way on his own. And did he not really want the job as well originally? Was there a story well, he, about? He him? Well, he wasn't well. He wasn't a right. well
1: man, of course. Yeah. He'd been ill at Aston Villa where he managed previously, and um, there was some talk about whether he could continue in management because of the pressures of, of, of management. So I don't think he could have done it without Malcolm. But by the same score, Malcolm needed somewhere to show that he was a revolutionary coach who was going to be successful. So the combination really worked well for both of them individually, and obviously collectively for for the whole club.
2: And then, of course, sort of when it was time for for Joe to to yeah, move on, yeah. the, the next manager was Malcolm Allison. He literally sort of moved up, if you like, or just took took on the mantle.
1: Yeah, there was the the, the background issue of the sort of boardroom takeover, wasn't there, going on, and and the new people coming in were were keen on on Joe being moved upstairs which Joe didn't want to do I think from from memory and uh, in the end Joe became general manager briefly and then went to, to Coventry City and Malcolm became manager in his own right but of course Malcolm truthfully missed Joe because Joe as you rightly say handled the directors and the boardroom and the press side of things particularly well. Malcolm perhaps was a little bit Unaware of what he needed to uh, to deal with those sort of issues, despite the fact that he was obviously successful on the coaching side. Yeah.
0: And I don't, I, I don't know if you uh, remember the documentary that was done on Malcolm Allison. Um, when he took over, I think, the second time. And you could see the conflict between the, the, the board and Malcolm. He wanted it done his way or not at all. And then there was a bit of argument between the board and him. And eventually, obviously, that ended up with uh, Malcolm leaving the club. So I think you're right. I think Joe was the one who was the, the smooth talker between the board <laughs> and what. Malcolm wanted and when Malcolm took over and I think a lot of people would say that he was a great coach but not a good manager
2: The Man City show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks And after Malcolm uh, but I may as well I mean, we had kind of uh, Johnny Hart and then Ron Saunders Uh, And then skip... Yeah, came, came yeah. back Tony Book of course in, in, in the mid seventies. And now was this at a time, Roger, when you were actually working at yeah, City? So this I, I, is a period where you were actually working at the club. and yeah, I guess was, got to was... see
1: him on a daily basis, and you got yeah. some real insight here about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, he was he was terrific, Tony or Skip, as uh, as you rightly say, everybody called him Skip in uh, in the days before he was a manager. I think they still do, when don't he, they? A lot of them. I think a lot still... a lot do. But uh, as manager, of course, he became boss, and uh, <laughs> he, he was great. Uh, when I worked there, he was. I think he was really underrated as a manager. I think he was really good because he inherited a difficult situation whereas as as manager, he was managing players who he'd played with um, and they were coming to the end of their careers, people like Mike Summerby and Francis Lee and so on. Um, And I thought he dealt with it really well and he had to go through what a lot of successful managers have gone through, which is a transitional period where a lot of the older players have to move on yeah. and, and bring in the younger players and who are the younger players and are they good enough, really, to fill the boots of of some players that were legendary, really, for, for, for City. And I think he handled that very well. And I, I, thought, I think the only thing that I was disappointed with, really, was that the, the board perhaps didn't back Tony when he came up with some recommendations about players that we could have signed. And... Um, One that springs to mind was Graeme Souness, who I think Tony was keen to sign. And if he'd signed for City and not for Liverpool, who knows what sort of success he would have had. Tony won the League Cup in 76... Uh, and we were second and fourth in in the first division the following two seasons. So for me, it was a successful period, and he needed to be backed, really, when it came to 78, And and
2: working there at the club at that time, as I say, and and I'm coming to you more than Ian, because you actually got real got real insight um, in terms of what was it about him clearly a, a, a legendary figure who, who I think you're my one of our favourite photos is, is of him sitting there with the, with the championship as it was in those days the FA Cup and the charity shields yeah, it yeah. was yeah. with him in his sky blue kit it's an iconic picture yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just love that picture yeah. so he's an you know, iconic figure he was the captain who, who led that amazing team and now suddenly is the manager and had some success I mean yeah. did, what was it about him then or give us some insight in terms of Tony
1: Book, the man, as well? He he was just a really nice chap, nice fella to work with. Um, He he dealt with everybody the same. He would speak to people, you know, in the corridors. He would speak to press and media whenever they wanted interviews. He was always open to everything. Uh, I can remember going to, you know judge the best dressed supporter nights with with him and he would volunteer to do it you know and uh, a, a lovely family man and um yeah he, he was a pleasure to work with and even now he's one of the club's ambassadors and quite rightly so because he's often one around, of the legends seen around
0: the club and C- so on can can that go back to his um his era as a player with uh, the mercer allison right would he learn from that would you have thought?
1: I would have thought so. I mean, he played under under Malcolm. Obviously, Malcolm was was key in him coming to City from from down in the southwest, and uh, he he was a, another part of the jigsaw that really made City so successful. I mean, he was he was such a good right back. He was mm. such a good player. I don't understand how other clubs more closer to the sort of south west didn't sign him i don't get it
0: wasn't wasn't that due to because of his age wasn't he, yeah, he, so, the he
1: you know he was fit he was doing a good mm. job and um, i think it was bass city he was playing for and
2: i, I genuinely don't know the answer to this remind me and my memory has gone blank here in terms of why he left and malcolm came back i mean I, I, do, do you remember the the background to that because obviously malcolm then followed him mm. um for for a reasonably short space of time before we then moved on to a series of managers none of whom we had great success yeah with. tony
1: but tony i think had a, a a successful period with ian mcfarlane as his assistant and ian was a character i mean he was he was really funny and really uh, lively as a character he was perfect as tony's right hand man and then he brought bill taylor in who I, I knew very very well in fact i used to babysit for for bill in the in the old days and uh, he was he was fantastic to work with and and again he was quite dynamic as a coach you know he's quite quite revolutionary and City finished fourth and the following season they they were just they were maybe about mid table and I think the board at that point really should have said yeah come on we're just having a bit of a dodgy season but we'll see what we can do for next season but instead they brought Malcolm back in and um, I think Malcolm the Malcolm that came back in 1979 was a was a different fella He, he wanted to prove to the outside world what a great coach and manager he was and to do that, I think in his own mind, he thought, I've got to start with my own team. And so what happened very quickly was a lot of well-known seasoned professional players like Dave Watson, Asa Hartford, Mike Shannon, Peter Barnes, Gary Owen, that they, they all got sold and moved on very quickly. Brian Kidd was another. Um, they got moved on very, very quickly and too quickly really for Malcolm's good. And he brought so many other people in, a lot of them at inflated prices, uh, which had a knock-on effect on City's financial position. Can I mention
2: um, just one? Would Steve Daly be one of those? Steve I think Daly was often, often used as the example. Yeah. I can't remember what he cost, but it was absolute yeah. fortune at the time. And, and any, then, other, any others you can think well, of? Well, Michael
1: Robinson was was yeah. the big one because yeah. Michael, uh, with the greatest respect, was playing for Preston North End. He scored a few goals for Preston, but they just sold another striker called Mike Elwis. And they were reluctant to let Michael Robinson go to another club full stop because he was their, he was their one striker as it were, and so city 's first bid, which was quite low, was turned down because Preston really had no options. And what happened was City kept coming back with increased offers and ended up with paying about, um, well, £900,000 plus VAT. Which in those it's days was an absolute Huge fortune. amount of money in those yeah. days for, for, for a player like uh, Michael. A good player, Good, don't get me wrong, good player, but, um, you know, a lot of money for, for a young player. So we then went through a period,
2: and again, I don't think we need to mention every single one of these, but uh, I'll pick out one or two and, and feel free to kind of mention them as you go if, there's, if it's notable. Uh, but, uh, you know, John Bond and John Be- Benson and Billy McNeil, having said I'm not going to mention them all here, I'm doing it, but uh, mm-hmm. Mel Machin.
1: Well, I was looking because I worked with um, Billy McNeil the the second time I I was there at uh, at City. And I think uh, a former manager I worked with, Billy Bremner at uh, at Doncaster, must have put a word in with Billy because uh, I got on very, very well with him and uh, I found him to be a a really effective manager. And don't forget, he was managing City at a a time when, firstly, they'd been relegated and, secondly, they really were financially cash-strapped. So f- he brought in players like uh, Jim Ptolemy and Derek Parlane and Neil McNabb at very cheap transfer fees, uh, or, or even on free transfers in some cases. And, and he, m- he managed to knit together a team that, in, in the end, got promotion. So credit where it's due, I think he did a terrific yeah. job, uh, yeah. Billy, or Caesar, as his nickname was. Uh, why? I don't generally know. I think I think it was. understand. I understand. He was, I understand uh, Skip. I get that. For yeah, Tony, he, but... he was. I think it must date back to when he was captain of Celtic when they won the European Cup, oh, and yeah. uh, he was so well respected. And, and he was far too handsome for a centre half, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: if you just go back to John Bond as well, if you if you look at John Bond, he was actually roommates with uh, Malcolm Allison as a West Ham player, and. What he's not taking, or what John doesn't get credit for, is he took us to the eighty-one FA Cup mm. final. He did, of which we nearly won yeah. if it hadn't been for the replay.
2: Exactly. Mm. Uh, but but it, it was kind of this is a period where I think two things: we had a series of relegations and promotions and and so on. Uh, certainly cash strapped, as you say, Rog, as well. So it's uh, struggling uh, and a side where. You know, sadly, our neighbours across the road were kind of building a dynasty at the same time uh, and, and so on. So it's, it was not a great time for City fans at all. But but Gates were still good. Yeah, uh, the, city fans still still turned absolutely. up in their th- tens city of City support you
1: can never, ever criticise. The City support has been there right through the, the bad old days and they, they were fantastic. I, I just think that there were a couple of decisions that, that were, were made that were wrong. One of them was the fact that I think the old main stand at Main Road, they they put the double-barrelled roof on. Um, and it was... I think the cost was somewhere near a million pounds. Mm. And, of course, at the same time, they were looking at signing Trevor Francis for for a million pounds. And I'm afraid the problem with that is that that's fine if you've got cash in the bank, but at the time mm. it was all on loans and and City became... You know, interest became a big, big issue. I can remember, again, when I went back in 83 in, in to work under Bernard, Bernard Holford was doing everything he could to come up with ideas to try and save money and, and save on the interest that City were paying, which was huge at the time. And they actually knocked down the old manager's office to build an executive suite where the deal was that people paid on the basis that it was effectively money that was loaned to the club to save the club paying interest on, on the overdraft. So it, it reduced the overdraft, saved a huge amount in interest because interest rates were so high. But effectively, it was a good deal because all they were doing was loaning the club money. They weren't paying it the, the tunnel a club
0: of the day almost. So it, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah,
1: indeed. That's what it was.
0: Weren't they actually going to build um, executive boxes on the on, the, on the main staff? That was mooted that? at one yeah. point,
1: but it was so, so expensive because, of course, they were going to be suspended from the double-barrelled roof. Yeah. Um, which was never, I mean, you know, never going and, to be And, cheap. and if,
0: you, if you looked at the two stands, they didn't ma- marry up, did they? But uh, they didn't. From, they didn't in they those days. days did they? They they didn't.
2: And I'm just again, I'm trying to get my chronology right. So the Kipax presumably came came a few years later. Yes, yeah, yeah. I guess didn't it? So this yeah. is just the main stand. And obviously, the scoreboard end had already been done as the north stand. And that was done yeah. in the early seventies. That was earlier. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So uh, I understand. So we, we very good. So so let's move on and and. Howard Kendall springs to mind and I remember that quote uh, from him uh, when he was only with us a very short time and, of course, he, I think he went back to Everton, having come from Everton. It was What was it? Something went, like his... Went a, back to his wife from his mistress. Exactly. So Manchester City was more like an affair, but, yeah. but Everton mm-hmm. was a marriage or whatever.
0: And, yeah. uh, but uh, his first game was against... Uh, was televised, wasn't it? And it was against Everton, if I remember rightly. And it was a nil-nil draw. Really? Good, yeah. Knowledge. Yeah. good knowledge,
2: good I'm knowledge. I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I so remember
1: he signed a lot of ex-Everton players yeah. and the City fans weren't sure about it because mm. they looked. it looked as though it was going to become a Everton Mark II yeah. at one point. Mm. Um, but he, he he was successful, wasn't he? And yeah, because
0: he built up from the back, didn't he? He brought in Tony Colton and uh, Neil Poynton mm. and, um, yeah, he built from the back. But he just wasn't there long enough, was he? No. Was yeah, no, that's right he, he, he just
1: wasn't and, and, and Peter Reid was one of his key signings, of course, who mm. became right. the he next manager. So. And a, an interesting time with Reed, of course,
2: because he uh, he had some success, didn't he? And uh, and wasn't allowed to to continue in the role. Your sort of reflections on Peter Reed's time. So we're now up to kind of we're into the nineties now. So yeah. he was with us what two or three years, I think.
1: Yeah, I think again, Peter was was a little bit unlucky in the sense that he came into City at a, 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 a time when the chairman, Peter Swales, was starting to get increased criticism from from supporters about the running of the club and. Uh, uh, I think he was a bit unfortunate in that sense. Um, in fact, if I remember rightly, the, he, Peter Swales actually brought someone in to actually handle uh, the way in which Peter <laughs> Reid left the club, yeah. which which also was a bit, you know, left fans a bit bemused. Mm. But um, but he was, uh, as you say, successful. I think City finished fifth, and yeah. the, 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 the you could look at the style of play perhaps wasn't as as good as it might have been. It was a bit more based on on the long ball than you know building up from the back as we've got nowadays. But, uh, but he was successful, up to a point. And I think the,
2: the, the early 90s was this period where we went through, we became the joke club, um, just purely
0: because of the sheer number yeah. and, well, and volume yeah. of managers through, through that door. So the fans went through hell that period because, uh, as you know, going on from Peter Reid, we had Brian who. You know, that was the first thing. The papers picked up on who's Brian. So just the record, Brian yeah. Horton, of course, Brian, for those of who course don't Of Brian Horton, yes. And I think Brian was given a rough deal because that's when they were going through a transition uh, of board level as well. And um, the, the board didn't, or the, the board that was buying, didn't want him as the manager. So I think he was given a, a tough ride. And then Alan Ball
2: and Steve Coppell, who was there, what was it, like awesome. 29 days or something very ridiculous? Term, term, yeah. term. Um, and then Frank Clark. And, and, and then Joe Royal, who, who, who I mentioned before, who did actually have some success because we were relegated. Um, but before that, we'd, we'd, we'd come up through through the playoffs. Yeah, Joe
1: took over just before we, we did get relegated. If you remember, we, I think the last game of the season, we played Stoke away and, and murdered them, but all the results went against us, so we yeah. went down anyway. Uh, to the third tier. Um, Joe got us back up the following season through the playoffs, which I think, looking back now, was a major, major achievement. And I think it was, it was the sort of thing that only Joe Royal really could have, could have done. And, of course, was the following season, we, he managed to get us back up again, albeit we didn't really establish ourselves at the top level.
0: No, but we, we had some good players at that point, with Paul Dickoff and um, Kevin Horlock. You know, they, they were really good players, and then we had a good keeper with Nicky, with Nicky Weaver there, so I, I think none you know, of whom
2: are getting today's side, of course. But uh, <laughs> it's a ton of
0: different time. No, but it, but it was a different. It was a different time, and and they did the job.
2: What about Kev then? Well, Kevin m- Keegan. M- of mixed course feelings was... about him if you talk to City fans. Yeah, I,
1: I mean, he, he, Kevin Keegan was just fantastic because he, he he got those uh, those players in um, that, that really could play, and and. I think that the way that you talk about the style of City, the style of City was probably the closest to the way we're playing under Pep Guardiola now Mm. that any manager has ever come. Mm. Um, But how lucky were we to have the likes of Berkovic and Bernabia playing for us, who who were just, they were a class act. They would have been a class act in any team in in the Mm. Premier Division, so... Yeah, he he was good. But I think a lot of people have said, well, Kevin Keegan was fine up to a point. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, if he was fine up to a point, should he have been backed a little bit more? I don't know.
0: So but again, I think that goes down to resources, doesn't it? Because if I remember rightly, he was also manager of Fulham before that and took Fulham through from the second division, or the old second division, through to the first division.
2: And we're still before the money came in, of course, at that, this point, right. aren't we? We're, yeah. we're almost there yeah. with the money, yeah, but we're, well, not, we're, that's we're not quite there I yet. think
0: that's where we're, we're going with this. It's a case that I think a lot of people would say it's all about money. And I think to a certain degree that's right. If you've got uh, endless cash that you can buy what you want, I think your manager is just a case of managing them.
2: And Stuart Pearce was a decent player for us, wasn't he? He was a decent
1: player for us, Stuart Pearce. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he was. And (laughs) And then became the manager. (laughs) Yeah. And it all went horribly wrong.
0: Didn't he miss a penalty in his last game of the season? Or the last game?
1: That was the Robbie Fowler. uh, I think think he did. No, no, that was. um, was, Oh, you mean later against Millsworth?
2: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, good player, but uh, his managerial career, it's fair to say, was. uh, not not quite as good as Joe Mercer's. He doesn't quite make our shortlist, does he, Mister Pearce? Yeah, he
1: doesn't doesn't quite get there. No, mm. the same with Sven, who who took over when um, we had the first takeover. So course. this
2: is the first bit of money that comes in. That
0: uh... yeah, but but again, if I I always remember the first day of the season on Sky um, Sports when they were going, let's have a look at the side of Man City, and they were going. Who are these players?
2: I, I remember that really yeah. well. Yeah. We just yeah. I remember there was a camera crew, wasn't there, outside the ground, talking to City players and kind of almost testing them Yeah, that's then, right. No who, idea. Who
0: did you play for? Yeah, <coughs> that was it. But he also brought through Casper Smeichel as well, if you remember. Yeah. He, he gave him his chance mm-hmm. in, in the first team and did very well. Mm-hmm. And obviously today he's Premier League player.
2: Mm. I mean, Mark Hughes, who came next, I, I never had any time for, just purely because of who he played for. But the one thing I will be forever grateful is the signing of the magnificent, the wonderful, the genius, the legend, and I use that with no hesitation. The legend that is Vincent Company. Yeah, he, yeah. he will always be remembered for that, won't yeah, he? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, Vincent Company is up there with with the legends that we talk about of the old years of yeah. Lee and Summerby. You know, I think, I think tomorrow's generations will talk about the Company Silver Agüero days in the same way that you and I talk about the lee Summerby mm, uh, days. So, yeah. yeah, what a great signing he was. Uh, but by the same score there were some signings that didn't quite work out you know we had to move on quickly but I, I, again I mean as a as a died in the wool blue you know I just don't see that City should ever be thinking about appointing ex-United players the reason being not because I don't want them to be appointed just because I think it puts them in such an awful difficult position uh, particularly with so many supporters Steve Copper was in the same position I still think that was something to do it, with why yeah, he but went I,
0: I think that's a bit I, I don't think that's quite right because we still have one of the greatest uh, centre forwards that. City had there, and United, of course, and he's one of the managerial team, Brian Kidd.
2: But he played, yeah, he played for both sides. Yeah. I was going to ask the same question. Is it the same with players? And it's really funny, isn't it? Someone puts a sky blue shirt on and plays them. I think Tevez is a good example. But as a manager, I don't know what it is. I just, I, I never really felt... That a connection, mm. you know. I will never. You know, I rarely criticise a manager or a player, as you know. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're city, and that's it. But, I, but I, have, I, I always had a problem with Hughes. Yeah,
1: and, and it's the same today. You watch Sky games when when Liverpool are playing, and Jamie Carragher's commenting on the on the on the game. He shouldn't be put in that position. I'm sorry, no mm. disrespect to him at all. I just think it takes away from the fact that everybody knows he's a dyed in the wool Liverpool supporter mm. and player, ex-player. So he shouldn't be put in that position and the same applies I don't think United ex-United players should be put in that position at City
2: well the next three managers are three on our shortlist so I think we can uh, spend a little bit of time talking about um, the very handsome Roberto Mancini
0: again a big surprise when, when it was announced Roberto Mancini coming to Man City and it was a case of Roberto right okay but what a manager he turned out to be you know won as the Premier League um, oh, great manager, great person. Uh, I met him a few occasions and always, always liked his company. Really nice.
2: So what was it about him then? Here we've heard about some of the reflections. Obviously, uh, Rogers Rogers had a, a great opportunity to to meet and work with a, a number of managers. This is a man you who've met on a number of occasions. Just, just give us again a bit of insight into Roberto Mancini. We we all would have seen him wearing his scarf with style um, and had a certain panache and had a certain way with him. I thought and had a certain style to him. I always enjoyed the way he he managed the team, managed the press conferences. I just think he had a, a bit of a swagger, and, and I just always. Liked his demeanour. Just give us some insight. You mean Italian Italians Yeah, absolutely. Yes, uh, of d- course. Exactly the yeah. exactly. That, he he the had the class
0: about him. He was very passionate, very passionate about his football and winning, of course. But also, we had the gentleman side of him. Yeah. And I know there were reports saying he'd lost the changing room and um, you know the place. But the, he was respected. He he knew what he was doing and obviously delivered what we needed. The Premier League. I mean
2: that moment. Let's listen, we can talk about this for for another hour, but just that that moment that that and we've seen it a million times. That that just just all City fans will not you know have a problem with us talking about this for two minutes. That that QPR game, standing on the on the touchline, Jecco gets the equaliser. He's getting everybody back. The passion he has, and 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 when Aguero just scores that ninety mm-hmm. third minute or ninety fourth minute winner and just his reaction and well, everybody's reaction and, and he brought us that. That brought tears to most City fans' eyes and mm. w- he will always be written into Man City folklore. He yeah, was yeah. the manager yeah. who brought us that Premier League title. Well yeah. I would
1: even go back a year earlier than that when, when we won the FA Cup Indeed. and actually go back to the semi-final yeah. because the semi-final victory over United was actually a big turning point yeah. and I think City fans recognise hang on a minute, United's era of success and domination mm. has been uh, you know, too long, and now we have to challenge them, and we have to start beating them. And that was the the mark, the, the focal point for me for where Mancini's success kicked in. Yeah. And as you rightly say, to win the FA Cup in 2011, and then to win the Premier League in such dramatic circumstances was really incredible. And, yeah, but, but and again, we must put him in there, really, as absolutely. a successful yeah. manager. And, and yeah. do you
2: know I bet there'll be some City fans listening now who will be saying, do you know, because of that, because he, he changed that forever... You know, it's kind of almost easy for Pep now, if you like, to come in and, and with even more money and more investment, and we're now at a different level. Well, I think he you changed the mentality, changed. Exactly, yeah, because yeah. for the first yeah.
1: time, City players were getting used to winning games mm-hmm. and winning trophies, and of course we haven't looked back since then. Do you know the thing that made me cry most... I'm going to cry now doesn't when I say it. It doesn't, well you know, it does not when it's talking about City.
2: <laughs> was you will remember at Stretford, they have that sort of the, the clock, you know, the 44 year, and, and they had on the big screens at City 44 down yeah, to zero. Yeah, yeah. That yeah.
1: absolutely it was brilliant. got It, it was, was whoever. It was just, a marketing masterpiece. It was masterpiece of an a genius. Idea.
2: And I absolutely sobbed uncontrollably yeah, when yeah, it got to Norton. Yeah. I couldn't cheer. I was
0: so emotional. Yeah, I thought absolutely. it was brilliant. So, he, idea.
2: so he's done that. I mean, you know, Mancini needs an awful lot of credit. Um, he changed, as you said. You change the mentality. Yeah. But,
0: but again, I think you've got to look, uh, realise where Pep has plan A and it's only plan A and improved plan A. Mancini had plan B. And, and if, again, the, the classic was the QPR game. It wasn't working. Plan A was not working. We were too old. We needed to score. It wasn't working. And he put Checo on and it changed. It just changed. And uh, he, he did that throughout that season. We were... <coughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> getting emotional again. Yeah. We were all at the uh, the Wigan final, of course, FA Cup final, uh, which was a strange affair um, because I think, as as you indicated earlier, Lizzie, that you know he'd, he'd lost the dressing room and uh, have I got the right game here? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty thirteen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we're at twenty thirteen. Yeah. So. so And and it was the most bizarre atmosphere that clearly he was going to leave and and why it was announced then. I I still struggle to understand how City had become so professional and so good at managing the PR... Mm just we didn't play against Wigan Athletic who have become a bogey team since of course um, and I just I still struggle to understand why on the eve of an FA Cup final that those stories came out and uh, clearly we knew it was going to be his last game and there was a new bloke coming in your thoughts and reflections? Well we, on we, that?
1: we just don't know do we I mean there's all sorts of rumours circulating I, I think Roberto Mancini had his own way of managing and Perhaps it was a little bit more in line with the older managers of the, of the eras of Brian Clough and people like that, and certain players didn't take to it. Perhaps that was what it was about. I genuinely don't know. I wasn't uh, connected with the club at the time, but it was. The, I agree with you that the timing was bizarre um, because there were. Thirty-five thousand City fans, all rooting for City, and having played so well during the season, uh, they just didn't seem to play and get it together on that day.
0: Yeah, and I think to be honest with you, the, the the owners, the new owners that had come in, were very inexperienced with with our football in the UK, and I and I think it was a case of it was um, it wasn't done. Properly as they would have liked it, and I, did, I don't think they understood it properly. And I think at the end of the day, um, today different matter. They've got a good, uh, they've got good management in. They've got good directors in, and I think everything is being handled in a more professional and proper way. Uh, Pellegrini came in, and again, similarly, I, d- I didn't know a
2: huge about about him either myself, and never been a the engineer exactly. This charming man, this yeah. up all of the above, absolutely, mm. and. You know, not many people have come in and won the Premier League in their first season yeah, yeah. and you can't mm-hmm. take that away from the guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was something very special.
1: I and think uh, I think the players were obviously looking for a particular new manager coming in and, and and he was much more receptive to two-way communication with the players and for trying to get his ideas across about how to play and and to play in in a style that really city fans wanted to see. Uh, and City fans bought into it very quickly and of course he got the success very very quickly as well mm. so uh, credit where it's due I think he did a, a mm. good job in the three years he was there and it
2: wasn't just of course the, the Premier League he won either with us no. he's, uh, he's won other trophies Absolutely. If you're, Ian Absolutely. you're talking about the fact that uh, it's about trophies as well he's got to be up there as well hasn't Absol- he in terms yeah, of what he's yeah won.
0: fair enough and ironically he the, win, uh, the last game of the season was against West Ham his, his current club mm.
1: Yeah, that's right, 2014, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, which brings us, um, so I'm just sort of thinking in terms of uh, trophies won. So, so Manuel Pellegrini, he won the league title. Yeah. Um, he also won two League Cups, of course, as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and Roberto was a league title, an FA Cup and a, a, a charity shield or a community shield. So kind of both of them are three trophy bods. Mm. Um, Joe Mercer, of course, is five with a, a championship, a league title, if you like, one FA Cup, a league cup, a uh, charity shield, as it was in those, and, of course, the European Cup. So he kind of tops the list with five. Sneaking between the two, of course, uh, was the uh, the man, I guess, uh, the owners had been waiting for for a while. It wasn't a great surprise that uh, Pellegrini was kind of holding the, uh, holding the seat for him, if you like, mm. as sort of the worst-kept secret in football. Uh, and... Pep Guardiola sort of has been with us since, what, 2016? Yeah. And he's doing all right, the boy?
1: He's, uh, he seems to be doing okay, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, <laughs> what, a, what an absolutely fantastic yeah. job he's mm-hmm. done. And, and I think City fans love him dearly and, and absolutely trust him implicitly. Um, I can remember there were times in his first season where Ian was saying, "I'm not sure about this guy," and I said to him, "Keep the faith." Keep this guy. I kept saying to him, "Keep the faith," because
2: you're right. There was that period, wasn't it? You know, Pep's style isn't going to work, and he needs to change his style. He didn't win the Premier League. Pellegrini won the Premier League in his first season. Pep hasn't. He's a failure. There was a lot of that about a lot well, of, the, under I a think, lot of pressure yeah, as well. Yeah, I think there the was, was invest- a low point. The, the investment for 4 well.
1: was was probably the low point, and and City fans were starting to think, "Hang on a minute." And I can remember talking to Ian. Again, Again, And I said, no, hang on a minute, keep the faith. When you see the players that he's brought in next season, you'll see a change. And, of course, we then had the record-breaking season, which yeah. was...
0: But, but if you remember, um, and yeah, it's true, I did lose the faith a little bit, but then he brought, a, he brought in bro- John Stones, and John Stones' first season was absolute... It, he just didn't know where he was, and yet this was going to be... I think that was a
1: bit unfair, well, by the way. Yeah,
0: but, but, but again... <laughs> But that's down to Pep's management, isn't it? He just said, you know, stick with it, stick with it. And as we know, John Stones is probably one of the best centre halves in, in the UK now. So, but
2: it, but it's how he's
0: it improved players as well. I mean, mm. it's not
2: just you know the, the system he plays and being committed to that and being absolutely single minded, saying we will play great football. You know, we we have with that with that record breaking season and all the records we broke. You know, that, that is something very special. And whatever Arsenal say, you know, drawing 11 games or whatever it was in their, the Invincible season, yet nothing's going to take it away f- for me Absolutely. in terms of that. that winning, the, winning the title by November, pretty much, breaking every record, go- but in the style of football that we played, yeah. was yeah. to be a City fan, it did, and it, you and I, Rogers as we say, go back to, to the 60s, it does remind me very much of of that, football that we really yeah. played and, 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 and neutrals will talk about Pep Guardiola and it, the other thing about him for me is the fact of how he behaves with the press with his players he will never ever come out and criticise his players mm. he will support his players He'll be, he can be a bit petulant yeah I suppose he can he can get a bit narky and a bit petulant from time to time but generally speaking he will support his players and I just you know I suppose it's the, the, the Italian swagger with one and the Spanish swagger with him he's got, he's got a style about him as well and I, I just think, I think he's absolutely fantastic. No,
0: couldn't agree with you. And I think the evidence was that was um, the Liverpool away game at um, Anfield when Mahrez missed a penalty. And everybody said, well, why should he take the penalty? Who'd...? And yet he came out and said, my choice. He, he backed his players. He and I think that means a lot to the players. When you've got a manager that actually supports you, and I think, um, yeah, absolutely, credit to him. But
2: Roger, your, your reflections on uh, on Pep, and I think in particular, that, uh, what is it that you, you, you love about him?
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he's just a wonderful manager, isn't he? You know, of, all, of all We're so lucky to have Pep Guardiola, the best manager in the world, managing Manchester City at the moment. And I think by his own admission, he would tell you that even with the season we had last season and how well we're doing this season, it's still not quite the finished article. He knows there's still... Issues about composure and losing our composure at certain patches in games, where we 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 slightly panic and you know fall back into old habits of long ball and and not passing like like he wants us to play all Mm. the time, and I think he knows that it's not quite the finished article yet, but it will be.
0: Yeah, no, I I tend to agree because again, I think. One of the things he looks for is two players for each position. And I know he's been looking for um, a replacement or an additive to uh, Fernandinho, which he's not found yet. I know we we thought we had one in uh, in Jorginho, but he's obviously uh, elsewhere. He's gone. And then obviously the left-back position is still not quite right. Um, But he'll get it right. Um, And for me, I think he will break the record of Joe Mercer. I really do.
2: But for me, it's it's things like you know Delph last season, you know at left back. Who would have thought? You know, trying stones in midfield. Mm. Uh, you know, just just Sinchenko, who's a who's a a, a winger as sort a of midfielder, playing him at left back as well. Just those and and, and Fernandinho playing in a back four, and then we're, and, and then playing with a back three as he moves. forward, mm. You know, he just is is so as a player innovative
0: yeah. yeah
1: as a player if you know that your manager believes in you and trusts in you to come into the team and play in a position that maybe is a bit strange for you that's a fantastic you know vote of endorsement or vote of encouragement and confidence in, in the player and the player's going to respond to, to that so, so well I think his man management is, is superb I really do well talking of vote it's time to vote
2: because uh, our time's almost up So so just to recap we did at the start kind of come up with only really four candidates um joe royal got a, a, a passing mention just to mention joe again who was a great player as well for city just to remind everyone uh, so we've got joe mercer we've got roberto mancini we've got manuel pellegrini and we've got pep guardiola they are the only four we believe um I still thank Les McDowell for the heading lesson, but uh, <laughs> I don't think he gets in. So, so Ian, you kick off. You, I, I just need I, a kind of a... I, yeah, a I, the City's uh, best manager and your reason to, to current date,
0: I still think Joe Mercer, based on trophy, the European trophy, won.
2: So the fact he's won a European Cup... Yeah. No, European Cup Winners' Cup. A yeah. European trophy trumps Pep. So even the great football Pep plays the, the centurion season, the record-breaking season...
0: But 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 again, Mercer did that in in the seventies. Anyhow, in that current time, I, st- I think you'll bre- I think it'll get broken. I, st- I still think Pep, as he's broken every other record, will break Mercer's record. But sitting but in the studio today, but today, I still going, think
1: you're going. I'm, Joe Mercer. I'm going, Joe Mercer. Well, I, I disagree because I, I I think Joe Mercer was so dependent on Malcolm. I think it was the Mercer Allison partnership to begin with. Um, and I just think yeah, they were fantastic, and listen you 're talking to number one old guy uh, uh, as a city supporter here, so I would love to to vote for the Allison Mercer partnership. but for me, the best manager city 've ever had is Pep Guardiola. Mm. And, and it's not just about the trophies. It's about the fact that he's got this attitude, which is, look, trophies are there to be won. Let's go and win them, and when we've won one, we'll go and have a look at the next one that's, that's in line that we can win, and that, that attitude, that mental willingness to win and the style in which he's doing it it's just a joy to watch City. It's a joy to be a City fan at the moment. And, you know, it, it was great as a as a young boy watching the, the Mercer-Allison years, but it's an absolute joy to watch the Guardiola team but, now. But
0: on the, on the last note, do you not think that actually you, you've just qualified that Mercer-Allison is the best? Because there was only Mercer-Allison. Um, no disrespect to Pep He's got a full team of analysis, assistant managers, conditioners, every everything else, where... In, 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 under the Mercer regime. you, you just can only Mercer managing Allison. the time
1: you've got, and, and loads
2: of money as well to go with it.
0: Well, I, I, I think money can only be, uh, you can only spend money, and then you've got to manage. You've got to uh, give the, the, give the, um, you've got to produce with that money. Where he's done that, but again, there's no European trophy yet. We've tried several times, and I think isn't Pellegrini got the furthest with Man City in the Champions League?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. semi final against yeah. Real So the thing
0: yeah. is, he's still got to beat that. Yeah. Yes. Uh,
2: let us know what you think. I'm going to put a Twitter poll up anyway in terms of these four. Let us know what you think. Okay. We're on Twitter at City Podcast. I guess you two are looking at me for me to get the casting
1: vote here. No, we're going to have a fight and we're on YouTube.
2: Well, let's leave it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's been absolutely brilliant and, and huge thanks to, to my two guests in, in this special about city managers. Let us know what you think. Um, was it Joe Mercer? Was it Roberto Mancini? Is it Manuel Pellegrini, or is it Pep Guardiola? Let us know. Uh, huge thanks to my two guests, to Roger Reed and to Ian Lees. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Brooks. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit PlaybackMedia.co.uk.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.